Uh, yeah, as, uh, as Roger said, um, I'm Paul Steiner, and I'm a team expansion missionary. It's good to be back here in Bloomington. Um, we were here before. We served on staff at Christian Student Fellowship, lived here for a while. We're members here, and it's, man, it's so good to be back in B-Town. You know what I mean? It's good to be back in B-Town, right? It's just, it's such a unique place. I mean, we lived in Ireland, we lived in Miami now, and, you know, the beach is rough, but um, it's, uh, there's something so unique about just this community, and it's so, it's, it's just good, and it's really good to be back here with our family here at Sherwood Oaks. Um, it's just been great. We've been able to reconnect and, and see our friends here and, our, and our, their family, really, and it's just so good to be back, and we want to thank you for supporting us uh, as we were serving in uh, Dublin for a few years, and now we've just finished planning a church in downtown Miami, Florida. It's now turned over to other leaders, and, and we're well, we're trying to figure out what's next. So if anybody's got a job, I could, uh, got to feed the family, you know. So, um, but, uh, so Tom threw me under the bus and said, hey, why don't you do Haggai? <laughs> so, uh, no, I actually volunteered for this. I have stupid written across my forehead. And um, I was here a couple weeks ago. I was up here for something, and I was able to join Bill Kirshner, the director at CSF. He was preaching out on the west side, and he had Obadiah. He's like, Oba who? You know, like, Obi-Wan, what? You know, is, uh, but there's, this is great. I mean, I love this conversation you guys are in this summer with, about these minor prophets. Not minor in the message, just maybe a little less content than, say, Isaiah or Jeremiah, but, but still a, a major message. And it helps schmucks like me to see that it, no matter how little I say or what I do, if God's in it, he's going to use it and it's going to be good. So I think that's some good encouragement. But for me, um, I don't know, I kind of like, like to get a big picture of things. I like to see where we are in the story. And I know that for some of you, uh, you've missed summer. Uh, you've missed being here because of the summer. Like, you know, summer's our time to jam in as much as we possibly can before, you know, life begins back in the fall with school and things like this. And so maybe some of you have missed some weekends, uh, been, been on vacation, seen family, you know, got that annual trip down to Holiday World, all that sort of thing. Um, and so I thought I'd kind of try to catch us up a little bit, uh, but also kind of help us to see where we are in the big story. And of course, the big story is, you know, there was this beautiful beginning. God creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates us. And it's, man, it's beautiful. It is good. It's, it's this beautiful story, and God creates us, and he, he, says, he says, wow, this is good. Now, I don't know what you look like this morning when you first got up, and you're looking in the mirror and going, dude, that's just not so good, you know what I mean? But, but, but God, he made us, and he made us in his image, and he goes, that's good. And then he has, we have this beautiful relationship with him. It's just perfect. It's the way it should be. And it's all this word in, in Hebrew called shalom. It means peace or wholeness or, I, as we like to say, the way things were meant to be. And so it's all shalom there in the beginning between God and us and us and each other. Imagine, guys, join me on this. You can't go 10 minutes without putting your foot and everybody else's in your mouth to your wife. And back then, it was perfect. You like had a solid hour or 24 hours and every day, it was good. You didn't do anything stupid. I don't know, maybe that's just me. I guess I just do a lot of stupid. My wife's here, she'll tell you, yeah, he does stupid. Um, but it was beautiful. It was great. And then, of course, quickly three chapters in, well, we screw all that up, don't we? 
the fall, everything. And then we see this big story, this one big story of God putting his family back together. And now we skip by several, several years, and we're coming into this part where we see, uh, well, the people of God, they've kind of lost the plot, you know? They've like, oh man, we just, we've blown it again. And so we're seeing in 722, the Assyrians, God's raised up the Syrian people, and it's this kind of pre-exile time for the people of Israel and Judah. And the Assyrians come in and they just level the northern kingdom of Israel. I mean, it's bad. It's ugly. And God is trying to use this, this pagan foreign country to, to drive his people back to him and say, come on back to me. It doesn't have to be like this. And then we skip on to 586, and God raises up the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. And God is, it's utter destruction for Jerusalem and, and the southern kingdom of Judah. It's bad. The walls are torn down. The temple is left in bits. It's been burned and destroyed. And to take it all, uh, well, Nebuchadnezzar nearly takes all of the people and sends them off to Babylon and other places. They're not living in the promised land anymore. Things are bad. God is saying, if you just come back to me, it doesn't have to be like this. And now we're coming into this part of the post-exile, the 539 time era, and the Persians. God has raised up the Persians and specifically King Cyrus to now reestablish the people. He's going to, this is where we're going to enter into these last three minor prophets of uh, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And don't worry, we're not going to try to accomplish all of them today. We're just going to focus on Haggai. But this is this time period, and God is going to use these prophets to help, help the people get resettled, to rebuild and reestablish what's going, what needs to be first. But it's hard. You know, I was thinking over this last couple of weeks, like, how the heck are we supposed to identify with these people? I mean, these people were exiled for like some 50 years, removed from their culture. Everything they knew was destroyed, their source of identity, their culture, everything's gone done. Um, I don't know, maybe some of you have like, you've gone through something tragic, like you've lost your house in a fire or something like that. And you're going, okay, this is going to be a little tough. We just lost everything. We got the clothes on our backs. How do we, how do we do this? Maybe hopefully you had insurance and you can start to rebuild and all this sort of thing. But like, how do we compare ourselves with this? How do we wrap our heads around this? I think about maybe towns out in Oklahoma or, uh, or Texas and Kansas where whole towns are just wiped out by a giant uh, tornado. And maybe that's kind of, kind of like what we're into. I have a great, great friend down in Miami that's a lifelong Miamian. And he knows it like the back of his hand. And he was there back in the mid-90s when Hurricane Andrew came through and just wiped out all of South Florida. Some of you may remember that. And here he is. He's, he's a firefighter, and he was on duty and he's, when he, all this blew through. And then he's, he's trying to come back home, and he's just, well, the roads are nearly impassable. But then he passes the turn to his house because he didn't recognize the landmarks anymore. They're gone. I mean... It's chaos. Uh, you, you, you can't hardly get to your house. There is no house to really go to. There's no grocery stores open. There's a bit of looting starting, you know, and all that sort of thing. For 45 days, they were without power. 45 days. What? That's crazy. But think, think beyond that now. These people get tossed out of their homes. And in fact, what was left of their homes is gone. It's just destroyed. 
Maybe you've gone through something, some life jostling event, some tumultuous event where it's just thrown you and you're going, how do I come back from this? I think that might help us to understand a little bit about where these people are coming from this morning. 40 to 50 years. But think about what is it that you would need in that process to rebuild? How, what, what are some of the things that you might need as you're like going, okay, I got to reestablish life now. So shout out to me just so I know that you're still awake and I haven't put you to sleep quite yet. Uh, give me a chance. I'll do my best. But, but give me a shout. Like, what are some of the things that you think you might need to, to rebuild your life or your culture? Just shout out one word answers or something to me. Okay, that was a lot. You guys just killed me here. What? Water, food, shelter, God for sure. Thank you. You get the gold star today. Faith, family. Oh man, you guys are like so much more vocal than the other two services. I don't know. I was, I, they were definitely asleep. I put them out, I guess. So you guys rock. Wow. Yeah, you need all those things. Okay, thank you very much. That's great. You guys are good. I'm, I got it. You're awake. <laughs> we're, we're rocking now. Right on. Um, no, thank you. That's great. I mean, it's these, it's these whole things that we need to kind of help start us again. I mean, things are bleak, and we need to figure out now, how do we do this? Okay, what do we need? N.T. Wright, who's a great uh, pastor and author and speaker and all this, he talks about these four basic longings of every culture, these things that we need, and and we're not going to go into great detail about them right now, but he talks about these basic things in no specific order, but, but one thing we need, he says, is spirituality. We need God. We all have that God-shaped hole in our hearts and in our beings that we, we have been made to connect and be with him. That's how he's designed us, and so we need that. The second thing is, is we need justice. We need to know, hey, there's right and wrong. We can be protected. There's order. It helps uh, society and culture to kind of function again. We need justice. He says the third thing is we need relationships. We need community. We need each other, Right? I need to help you. You need to help me. We need each other through all this. I mean, after all, God didn't make it just Adam and so (laughs) have at it. No, he said, Adam, here you go. Here's Eve. You guys need each other. We do. We need community. And lastly, he says we need beauty. Beauty. Not necessarily the physical thing like that, but like beauty. Like what you just heard when Nicole sang that beautiful song, and she did an, just an amazing job with that, and the team surrounding her with that, and it blessed us, and it blessed God's heart. We need beauty to inspire us, to, to point us to something higher. We need that sort of thing. And we're going to see God saying through Haggai and these other two prophets that, it's, hey, it's time to restart. It's time to rebuild. Let's bring things back to the way they were intended to be between us all now. And one little last item Uh, that we need to say before we kind of dive further in. And it's your moment that you can say it out loud, the duh moment. You know, preachers do that sort of thing. They say things and you're going, duh, I mean, come on. Did I come all the way over here for this? Well, here's your moment. You can say it back to me. Not yet. (laughs) Guys, jumping the gun over there, Kevin, you're killing me. Just a minute. God is in charge. Now bring it. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. God is in charge, obviously. But now think about that just a little bit more. Think about it. You just had a foreign king set free his enemy. What? Are you kidding me? Why would you do that? God is moving in the heart of this 
foreign pagan king to let his people go and to rebuild their lives, their security, their connection back with him, you're risking taxpayers there. You're risking subjects that's going to serve you and do things for you. What? Obviously, God is in control of all this. God's got to be in control. He's moving. He's going to use whoever he wants to establish his purposes. And he's using King Cyrus here. And King Cyrus then sets out this proclamation to say, hey, I want the people here of Jerusalem to go and Judah to go back to reestablish their lives, to build the temple. I want them to do this. And so everybody gets excited. They start raising money, getting the funds together. They go back. They lay the foundation. They build the altar. And it says they stop and celebrate. Look with me here in Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests, I'm going to skip through, took their places to praise the Lord. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Does that sound familiar to you? Does it sound like a, a building campaign? You know what I'm saying? Some of you are going, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up in the church, right? So I've been through building campaigns all my life. Some of you get really excited about building campaigns. You're going, yeah, we're going to raise money. We're going to do this. This is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And others are going, oh, great. Not again. No, please, no. I mean, I don't know. I grew up in the church, so I, I see the church as you and me, and we're the people of God, and God is in us, and we are the church, and that's how we function and move and do things. And I, 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 I'm not really, I, I'm not a huge fan of buildings, but, but this is a great facility. Don't get me wrong. This is great. You know, you guys did a pretty good job on this one now. So, I mean, it's great. You, it's used every week, you know. Uh, it brings us together. It gives us a little shelter from all that heat and humidity out there that you didn't cool things off for me since I came back from Miami. Thanks. And so you have, you have this great place that we can, we can come together and we can worship like what we just did. And we can touch the Father's heart here together in this really good environment. And you hear every week the word clearly proclaimed, pro proclaimed through Tom and through others that share here. And that's great. And it draws us closer to God. And you use this facility uh, to, to bless the community throughout the week. I know it's used in that way, as well as you even bless the world through the use of this facility. And that's great. Is it about that? I mean, it's, it's just bricks and sticks, right? But is it about that? Is that why they're getting excited? You know, we, um, we were meeting in a hotel uh, early on in our church plant there in Miami, we met in this uh, conference room of a hotel, and it served us really well for, for a few years. And we had so much so we had built this relationship with the workers there, and one in particular, his name was Jean. He was from Haiti. And John just, man, he treated us right. He was gold. I mean, these guys, they made sure we had everything we needed there. And he's like, Pastor, Pastor, do you have everything? Is it, do you need anything at all? This is, this is my church. I want to bless my church. Now, John wasn't even able to stay in the service with us that day because he, he was working at the time. But he wanted to make sure everything was set that we were good to go, that we didn't need anything because he wanted to bless God and he wanted to bless the church. And we were just doing it at this hotel. Well, time goes on, and we were able to get a really good deal at meeting at this actual church building just downtown there. And, and if any of you have been downtown, you may have seen this building. It's, it's just unbelievable. The architecture, it's incredible. It's a stone and marble, and then it's got the major wow factor. It's right on the water. I mean, it's like, wow. Um, 
it's incredible. And then you walk in and you have the wow factor and your neck is just hurting because you're looking up at this cathedral-like building. And it's just amazing. And I remember the, one of the first Sundays that we went in there to, to gather on a Sunday evening, uh, our people are coming in and they're like, wow, this is great. And one of my good, good friends, I remember him saying this clearly. He says, man, we're finally a church. I'm going, wow, I guess we've been playing make-believe uh, for the last few years. I wasn't aware. I guess we're legit now. Well, hey, let the party start. Um, and I knew exactly what he meant. See, for many people in the culture, especially in Miami, they still identify you with a building. They still connect the church with the building. Maybe that's what's going on here a little bit. Maybe. And I'm not dissing anybody on that because that's just the way we understand and we connect. There's different things and ways that we connect with God. Maybe that was it. You see, the temple for the people there, well, it meant everything. It distinguished them from any other country, any other nation, because God dwelt amongst the people, and he dwelt there in this temple. Remember, David wanted to build this temple for God. He'd never been in a building. God had never been in the building before. And then he allows David to get the materials together, King David, and then his son, King Solomon, actually builds the temple. And then when they go to dedicate it, it said that the glory of the Lord filled the temple and everybody was overwhelmed by God's presence there. I get chills when I think about that because it's just, wow, God was there. And God would reside there in the Holy of Holies above the Ark of the Covenant there. And, and this, God was there. Nobody else could claim that. And in 586, when next to the crucifixion of Jesus and next to the fall of man, in 586, when the temple was destroyed, it said that that's like the third lowest point in the Bible and for the people then. I mean, it meant everything to them. And I feel then that when the people felt that the, when the temple was destroyed, so was their connection to God. They felt really lost, really alone then. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Someone, something, some, something that was keeping you somewhat connected with God, well, it was suddenly taken from you or it was destroyed, and now you're going, where are you now, God? Like, where did you go? I, I don't know how to do this. I feel lost. That's how the people felt. That's how the people felt here. So we see that they actually start to rebuild this temple. And they're excited. They're pumped. They're rebuilding this temple now. They've got the foundation laid. They've gotten a good start. They've got the altar built. But what happens every time when we go and take a step closer to God? What happens? Persecution, right? Somebody doesn't like something now that's going on. So we got to step in and make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. Ezra 4.4, then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Oh, what? I mean, the result is, is that they got scared. And so they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, we didn't come back from 50 years in time out just to get killed. What? Let's just, let's just calm down. Let's just back up the truck. Let's just slow it down a little bit. We don't need to get hurt. Let's just let cooler heads prevail here. We'll, we'll stop working now for a while. 
So they get scared. So this incredibly important source of identity, true foundation of their culture, relationship and connection with God, well, it was just stopped. They got scared. I mean, this was their whole reason for coming back. And it's not like they take a one or two week break or even a couple months. This break lasted 16 years. 16 years. And so a lot can happen in 16 years. And this now is where we see this prophet Haggai jump into the story. This is where God inserts him. It's now 16 years later, the year is 520, and Haggai 1 says this, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This, uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. That's, that's really sad. Have you ever done that before, though? You, you've, like, you've not really wanted to do something, or you started something, and, and, or you got scared, or, or maybe just something happened to where you've, you've set something down, or you've, you've just not, I don't know, you start to invent a reason for why you're not doing what you know you're supposed to do. And you've said that reason so much now that you actually believe it's true. So the people are going, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's not time, you know, it's, it's just not. So the fact that God uses a foreign king to send them back home with instructions to build the temple and all that, yeah, it's just not time. That obviously wasn't a sign enough for me. I don't think God's liking the procrastination here. See, the problem is when we, when we lose sight of God and when we choose to live in fear rather than love and trust, then we can start to believe lies, even lies that we'll tell ourselves. And that's not what God calls us to live in. And then, well, other things happen. Verse, uh, verse 3 and 4 here. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house is a ruin? Now, it wasn't that God was a hater of paneling, but honestly, <laughs> he should have been. I mean, and for you folks that had houses in the 70s, what the heck were you thinking? I mean, were you inspired by the Brady Bunch so much? You're like, okay, let's panel everything in this house. Let's just do it. I mean, I don't get it. Back then, paneling actually was a sign to show that you were wealthy, although I doubt that was your intention for having it in your house now. But, but then it was a sign of wealthy, like kings had this paneling in there. And in fact, paneling was in the temple. So apparently the people started to say, hey, you know what? That's not being used right now for God, so... I'll put it up in my house. I want to come off looking like, you know, the king. So apparently when we forget what God says to us and we abandon him, well, we, we can start to listen and believe lies, and then we'll start to use up his resources for ourselves and not for anybody else even. So Haggai has another word. Verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You ever felt like that? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'm seeing some heads. Yeah, we've all done that. We lost the plot. We lost God. We've, we've like, we're on to just, we've got to make ours happen. We've got to make our world happen. Man, we've got to make it rain. The only problem is we can't seem to make it rain enough then. 
and we find ourselves never satisfied, craving more, wanting more, desiring more, and it's never going to be enough because it just won't. God's saying, you got to give back to me. You've got to put me first in this, and then I'll take care of the rest. Haggai's saying here, give careful thought to your ways. Not just think about it, but the, the, the literal translation here is saying, set your heart on your thoughts. Set your soul. Remember, there's so much more at stake here. There's so much more at stake. This isn't just about using a few resources here and there. There's a bigger deal here. You remember what put you into exile in the first place? You stopped listening to God. You, you abandoned him. You didn't put him first. In fact, you didn't put anybody else first. You'd put yourself first. You stopped caring for one another. You stopped loving me, God's saying here in this. That's what led you to that whole exile deal. And Haggai's saying, whoa, 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 hey, let's not go down that road again. I can't do another 50-year timeout. Come on. This isn't going to work. He's saying, look, you're going down this road again. And now you're starting to make excuses. You're believing lies. You're starting to use stuff that's not for you. Remember, God comes first here, and he's wanting to reconnect with you. That's the whole point of building this building. He says, I want to reconnect with you. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will come and dwell amongst you. And God does the same thing through Christ now with us. We don't need a building. Jesus comes, he says, I'm going to come and make my home with you. I'm going to come and I'm going to sit there in your heart. I'm going to rule there. I'm going to love you completely and restore you to the way you were meant to be. Just trust me on this. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. You're never going to find satisfaction in anything else or anyone else. Only I can satisfy you. Are you giving careful thought to your ways right now? See, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and I'll give you everything else. Don't worry about it. That's not health and wealth gospel either. That's just straight up truth. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. Put him first. Love him first. Brothers and sisters here, <laughs> I don't know what your life is like. I, I've lost track maybe of some of you, and I don't know what all is going on in your life, but maybe you've had a great just a horrendous event that's happened. And you're thrown and you're going, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know which way is up or down. I am so lost right now. And God's saying, give careful thought to your ways. Come back to me and I'll restore you. And maybe this is the beginning of that moment. Maybe you can start today coming down here, talking to somebody. Somebody will sit with you, pray with you, start to ask some questions and say, hey, well, Let's sort this out. Let's start down this road. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm a hot mess. I mean, my life is just in bits right now. I don't know really what's going on. I'm a little, a little in between things right now, and that's okay. I'm not, I mean, I can get really caught up with, there's days, my wife will tell you, there's days I'm going, oh, crap, we got to find something. We got to do something. I got to do something here. I got to keep busy. I got to do something here. And then I have to have this moment of reminder with the Lord of going, oh, right. Seek you first. You got it. Okay. Maybe you've gone through something and you need somebody to help you get started again. You've been in a little time of exile. Well, maybe today's a good moment to start something new. And you know what? You're in the right place. There are some really fine folks in here that will walk with you through that. Nobody's going to come at you and go, yeah, now you got to do this and start shoving you into something. That's not how it's done here. 
I think, in fact, you'll find somebody else saying, hey, you know what? Me too. Me too. And maybe some of you actually just need to get started. You didn't know about all this original relationship you were supposed to be in here with God and how he'll take care of you and he will love you and, 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 and watch over you if you just walk with him and choose to have this relationship with him. And if so, boy, this is a great day to get started on that too, or at least start asking some questions. So we're going we're gonna to sing this song here in just a minute, and, and you're able to come down here and meet with somebody. And one more person here is the people that have actually gone a little further, have gone through those moments of exile or utter chaos, and have now been rebuilt in Christ. And they're going, you know what? I've been there, and I, I can help you. I don't have all the answers, but together we can start to sort some things out. And if you're here and you're one of those people, then you come forward to help those folks that are need to get that new start. And be with them. Walk with them. We need people that will walk with each other.